that's all there is, right? So this morning we're going to be in the book of Exodus. Thank you all for those testimonies, Exodus chapter 40. We're going to be looking at verses 34 through 38. The title of this message is called, Then the Cloud and the Glory. Uh, very last chapter, very last passage in the book of Exodus. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled it. Whenever the cloud was taken up above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So a little bit of background. As we've told you, uh, as we've been through this book of Exodus, God sends Moses to Egypt to deliver his people from bondage and take them to the land of promise. God brings them to the mountain of God, reveals to them his word, his will, and he commands while he's there the Israelites to build a tabernacle, a tent where God can manifest his presence among his people. It was to be the house of God, the place where God dwells. The Israelites got to work, and that brings us up to the time of our text. What got me curious in this passage as I was reading it was the little word at the beginning. It was the word then. you saying, Pastor, you're going to preach a whole sermon on the word then? Yes. Imagine if I preached on the whole passage. Just that little word then, because it says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Now, usually, if you have a then, it begins with a qualifier. It usually goes something like this. If, then. If you clean up your room, then you can have a piece of cake. Right? If you go to work, then you'll get a paycheck, right? Except in our society, we want a paycheck without working, <laughs> right? So the qualifier, even though it doesn't say it in this text, the qualifier is if. It doesn't always say if, it's understood. If you do this, then this is what's going to take place. So what, God, what our passage says is then. So what I want to look at is what was the qualifier? What was it that took place to set the then in motion? Well, in order to see what that is, uh, to understand fully what's taking place, we got to go back a little further in the book of Exodus to really get a good picture. And so that brings us to the first point, and the first point is the charge, and we're going to be in Exodus 25, 1 through 9. The Bible says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them, gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skin dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense, onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings just so shall you make it so God told Moses to tell the people that he wanted them to construct a place where his presence might dwell among them and in order to do that they were going to have to contribute they were going to have to contribute from their resources 
and they were going to have to contribute from their labor. And they would also, in doing this, have to do it under the auspices of God's commands. In other words, you can't do what you want. You've got to do it the way God says to do it. So they were going to have to follow the instructions that God gave them. They would be constructing the tabernacle according to the blueprints that God was given Moses. And what we find in the rest of the Word of God, if you were to read it, you would find that there was a tabernacle in heaven, that that, uh, that was the blueprint for the tabernacle that they were going to make on the earth. They would be constructing the house of God that was going to be in the midst of the people of God according to God's blueprints in accordance with a tabernacle that was already in existence in heaven. By the way, that brings us to Matthew 6 and 10. And I'm going to flip back and forth a little bit from the Old Testament to the New Testament just to give you a correlation. In the, in, in the New Testament, it says, When you pray, pray this way, Your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? on earth as it already is in heaven right so it's not our job to determine what the will of god is it's our job to figure out what god's will is and then come into alignment and when i say to determine i mean we don't make the will of god god makes the will of god he determines what's right and wrong he determines what we want what we're to do and then we look to heaven and as we look to heaven we replicate what God wants to do on the earth. How do we do that? Through our work, through our obedience, through our lives, through the way that we talk, through the way that we live, we bring the kingdom of God here as it is in heaven. Now, as we've seen back in our text, there were a few hiccups along the way uh, when God gave the Israelites this pattern to make a tabernacle for them. They actually got caught up from the very moment in false worship. They created a golden calf, and, but thanks to the mercy of God and the intercession of Moses, they eventually got back on track with the assignment that God had given them. What was the assignment? To create a place on the earth where God could dwell. If God was happy just being in heaven, why would he cause the Israelites to create a tabernacle where he could come and dwell in the midst of them? And my point, and I'm not going to talk about it today, but I'm just saying if God was only interested in getting you to heaven, right? If he wasn't interested in this earth at all, why not just save you and kill you? He doesn't do that, right? Does God want you to get to heaven? Yes, but what he wants most of all is to get heaven in you. Because if he can get heaven in you, he can get heaven through you. And God said, pray this way, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, not in heaven, but on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is already being done in heaven, but the will of God is not being done on earth until he finds a people that will come into agreement with him to function and bring the will of God into manifestation in this planet. So the assignment was to build a dwelling place for God, and eventually the Israelites get, got back on the assignment. How many of you know we have an assignment as well? Right? Heaven is not our assignment. Heaven is our destination. What we do here on the earth is our assignment. Now, there's lots of ways of talking about our assignment. Some people will say, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, right? Uh, That uh, heaven on earth is our assignment, but we have an assignment, right? And our assignment, I think for too long, the church has had and thought the assignment was to get to heaven. No, that is our destination. Our assignment is to bring heaven here. 
to impact people with God's will in this planet. Jesus, now now let's let's get back to where I was, and again, I'm going to correlate a little bit. What did God want to make? He wanted to create a tabernacle where God could dwell in the midst of his people. Now, if you were to go to the New Testament, all of what God is doing among the Israelites was actually fulfilled in Christ. Because the Bible says in John 1 and 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt actually means tabernacled among us. How did God dwell in the midst of his people in Christ? God manifested himself in Christ on this planet and uh, newsflash, God still manifests his presence in Christ who lives in us. So the Bible says the word became flesh, tabernacle, dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now notice it says in this verse that we beheld his glory. Do you recall in the passage that we read at first in the book of Exodus uh, where it says uh, Moses and the people finished all that God had told them to do and the cloud covered the tent and the glory of the Lord filled it? Right? So there's a parallel there. God wants His glory to be manifest and how is His glory manifest when God's presence comes? All right, so with that in mind, the second point we want to look at is the qualifier. What is it that allowed the presence of God and the glory of God to manifest within His people so God could show Himself, reveal Himself to His people, and in revealing Himself to His people, reveal Himself to the nations of the world? Exodus 39, 42 through 43 says, According to all that the Lord had commanded Moses... And Moses then told the people, So the children of Israel did all, not some, not most, but all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed they had truly done it. As the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. And Moses blessed them. Now, the dictionary defines a qualifier as one that satisfies requirements or meets a specific standard. Again, in our text, what was the qualifier? To find that out, let's go back and look again at what God told Moses to do. The key is what's found in verse 16 of this chapter. It says, Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. And just in case you didn't get that, and then it goes on and says, so he did. Very simple. God said, Moses did. The Word of God, obedience to the Word of God. Not hard. You do what God says, and when you do what God says, God blesses it. Amen? In Exodus 25, remember what God had told Moses? The Lord said, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take me an offering. Verse 8, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Verse 9, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings. Just so shall you make it. How often do we as a people of God, we want to serve God, but we don't want to do it his way, we want to do it our way. 
Now, have you ever as a child and your parents told you to clean the room and you went and came back and you said, okay, mom, I cleaned it and they're going to go and they're going to inspect your room? And when they're inspecting your room, they're saying, well, you didn't do this and you didn't do that. How many kids say, well, that's good enough, mom. That's good enough, dad. Well, it's good enough from the perspective of the one that's doing the work, but not from the one that's overseeing the work. And we need to understand it's not our place to tell God this is good enough. It's God's place to say what needs to be done and what doesn't need to be done. And it's our privilege as well as our responsibility to do what God says. Not qualify what God says. Not try to limit what God says. Not try to get away with doing some of what God says, but not doing all of what God says. But it's our responsibility and our privilege in relationship with God to do what God says. This is not a theologically deep sermon. I'm telling you from the beginning. God says something, and we do it. So, going back to Moses, Moses had done all that God commanded him to do. It was Moses' obedience to the Word of God that paved a way for God to manifest himself and dwell among his people. In Exodus 40, that phrase is repeated over and over again. Originally, I had the whole passage in here, but I decided to go back, and just for the sake of time and to spare a little space here in my notes, I just pulled out the verses, but this is all in one chapter. And in one chapter, I want you to see what it says. I'm going to go to verse 19. He says, He spread out the tent over the tabernacle, put the covering on the tent of it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses is following all the commands that God had told him to do. And in verse 19, God told him to spread the tent over the tabernacle. And Moses did it as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now when it says Moses did it, Moses is doing it in conformity and in conjunction with the people. Okay? Then verse 21. He brought the ark into the tabernacle, hung up the veil of the covering, partitioned off the ark of the tabernacle as the Lord had commanded Moses, verse 23, he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 25, he lit the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 27, he burned sweet incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 29, he put the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle and offered up uh, upon it the burnt offering and the grain offering. As the Lord had commanded Moses, whenever they went into the tabernacle of meeting, and when they came near the altar, they washed as the Lord commanded Moses. Moses, very simply, heard and received the word of the Lord, and most importantly, Moses obeyed the Lord. He built what God was building, and he built it, he built it according to God's instructions, right? How, how often do we, as the people of God in the church today, are trying to build a church according to our way of building it and not God's way? God's way is the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God giving heed and obeying God's Word and allowing the Spirit of God to have His way. Man's way is to compromise the Word of God and restrict the Spirit of God. And somehow if we do that, we'll get more people in here. But as I said before, uh, but will we get God in the house? 
I want God in this house. And in order to get God in this house, and I may be talking to some people out there, and, you know, but my focus is on our church. In order to get God in the house or God to manifest, what Moses is teaching us is you've got to hear the word of God. Don't compromise the word of God. Don't change the word of God. Don't try to uh, uh, minimize the word of God. But this is the word of God. Right? This is what God says. And then Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news. Well, how can we, we think that we're going to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish without, without the Spirit of God moving in our lives? In fact, Jesus himself said, it's expedient for you that I go away. What he's really saying, you don't know how necessary it is that I die and raise again because if I don't go back to heaven, if I don't die and get raised again, then what you really need, which is the Spirit of God, he will not come. It requires that I live faithfully, die, and rise again from the dead so that when I go and I'm ascending my Father, the Spirit of God now will descend upon you. And it was so important that he said, do not leave Jerusalem until you receive the promise of my Father, right? You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Why are we trying to build a church our way and not trying to build a church God's way? Instead of building the church God's way. That's what I wanted to say. Moses heard from God and he did what God wanted him to do. He saw the pattern, and he followed the pattern, and because he built it according to what God wanted, the presence of God manifested in their midst. As he did so, as he built what God was building, the will of God was followed, and the stage was set for the purpose of God to come to fruition. As we have seen, the purpose of God was and is to dwell in the midst of his people. So that little word then that I talked about in our text says a lot more than just what we read on the surface. The word then carries with it a lot of weight. It was signifying that God filled the tabernacle as, as was his stated purpose when Moses and the children of Israel did their stated purpose. When they did what, asked them, what God asked them to do, God did what he said he would do. God's purpose was to fill his house with his presence, and when the Israelites did their part, he did his part and filled the house with his presence. Obedience to the word of God is the key to seeing the purposes of God manifest in our midst. With us, as with Moses and the Israelites, there are two parts to that statement. One is you've got to hear the word of God. The Word of God does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right? That's important. But how many of you know it's just as important not to have the Word of God, but you need to hear the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. You need to understand what the Word of God says to you. Right? What was the, the verse you were quoting uh, 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 just a little bit a while ago? Study to show thyself. Approved to God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We got to know, doesn't the Bible say in Hosea 4 and 6, my people perish for lack of knowledge of the word of God. You've got to know what the word of God says. And you've got to hear from God. 
the, the Word of God in partnership with the Spirit of God is what we call the rhema of God in your life. You've got to be in a position where you hear the Spirit of God revealing the Word of God to your life and to the situation that you're going through. Uh, John 10 and 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I can't tell you how many people, because literally I don't remember how many people have told me, I don't hear the voice of God. Well, the Word of God says you do. So if I'm going to choose sides, I'm going to choose sides with the Word of God, right? But I don't hear the Word of God. Well, I would try to qualify that and say, if you're a sheep, if you're born again, and you belong to the Lord, He says you hear His voice. Now, what you may not understand is you may not be distinguishing His voice. And that's a different thing. You got to learn how to dial in that channel. You're hearing his voice, but if you had a radio, I know today everything's digital, but back when I was growing up, we used to have these little uh, knobs that you had to move this little line back and forth and back and forth, and and you get it just right, and you bump the radio. Oh man, I got to do it again until you got that station that you wanted in just right, right? And sometimes, I don't know why, sometimes you have to fine-tune it a little bit. It gets off a little bit. you got to come back and you got to fine-tune it. And that's how it is with God. We're hearing God, but we need to fine-tune it so we know what God sounds like. We know that God is speaking to us. Now, how do I distinguish what's God and what's something else? Well, that's a different story, but you do hear His voice. Revelation 3 and 22, Jesus said to the church in Laodicea, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And the context is, he is saying to his church, to the churches. Romans 10 and 14, How shall people call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, uh, uh, what I'm trying to get you to understand too is that God speaks not just to you personally, but God speaks to you through others as well. Right? Now, you always have the privilege of believing or disbelieving or agreeing or disagreeing, and we're not saying that everything that I say is from God. That's your responsibility to study and show yourself approved. Go back, get, read the Word of God. He said, but don't discount the fact that God does speak through people. God was speaking through Moses... And Moses was speaking through the people, and as they obeyed the word of Moses, which he got from God, they were obeying the word of God. You hear what I'm saying? And so we need to understand that God does speak through people, those around us who have the Spirit of God in our lives, and God speaks through those in authority as well. All right, 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So there's hearing the word of God, and then the most important thing, once you've heard the word of God, is obeying the word of God. You've got to learn how to obey. Hebrews 3 and 15, while it is said, today, if you will hear his, heart, his voice, do not harden your hearts by not following is the context by not heeding what God's voice is telling you as the Israelites did in the day of rebellion. When they were in the desert, they didn't listen to God. They didn't follow God. They didn't obey God. And because of that, they constantly find themselves in trouble. They constantly find themselves being uh, uh, attacked by snakes or, uh, you know, under plagues or whatever the case may be. It's not because God wanted to do it. They got themselves out from underneath the will of God and started doing their own will and doing their own stuff. 
James 1, 22 through 25, if you like New Testament scriptures and James, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You go to church, you dance, you sing, you shout, whatever the case may be, and you leave here and you're no different than anybody else in the world. James would say you deceive yourself. Right? You're not deceiving God. Who are you deceiving? Yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this one, the one who does what God says, this one will be blessed in what he does. I'm blessed of God. God loves me. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a, all of that, and we confess that, but you're confessing it, but you're not doing it. You're, you want to get to the then without doing the if. you got to do the if if you want to receive the then. All throughout the New Testament, we see this theme of hearing the word and doing the word being key to seeing the fulfillment of God's word in our midst. Let me change parameters here and just use something very uh, innocuous unless you're sick. And it's not innocuous. It's the most important thing in the world. Now, I, I've said this before. I figured out what the worst affliction for anybody to have in Hall of History could be. What kind of sickness, what kind of disease, I figured out which one is the worst. The worst one is the one you have. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's the worst affliction anybody in the world, anybody in all of history could have is the one you, you presently carry right now. So when I say this is innocuous, what I mean is I'm not going to be messing with you too much with this. I'm going to try to give you some instruction. So what happens is if you uh, are sick or you're going through something and you want to figure out uh, what are the promises of God around that, you've got to go to the Word of God. And when you go to the Word of God, you've got to see what it says in the Word of God. One of the things it says in the Word of God, is there any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. And, 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 and they will come and they will anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. So what is the importance of that? Well, the parameters are if you want to get healed in this particular scripture, you need to call for the elders of the church. Them no good guys, I ain't calling for them, man. I don't need anybody to pray for me. I can pray for myself. I can believe God for myself. And that's great. You can do that. But that's another scripture with another parameter. This scripture, you need to call for the elders of the church. Right? Well, I don't want to call for the elders of the church. And maybe what we're dealing with is we're dealing with pride. Maybe what we're dealing with is a refusal to submit to authority. And maybe it's not any of, uh, of the sickness or the disease that's causing the, the real problem in your life. Maybe what's causing the real problem in your life is rebellion uh, uh, and refusal to submit to authority. Uh, maybe what's causing the real problem in your life is pride. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because a lot of times, sickness is the fruit of something that's going on inside. Not all the time, but a lot of times, right? And if you can 
pray for somebody and they not get healed, then what a lot of times we need to do is we need to go back and find what's the obstacle, what's the hindrance, what is the thing that is preventing uh, that healing from coming in your life. Now listen, sometimes it has nothing to do with that. Sometimes we pray, you're not healed, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to heal you. It just means you got to pray and you got to keep on praying. It's kind of like you go to the doctor and they said you need 10 treatments of, uh, of uh, some kind of uh, uh, physical therapy or you need 10 treatments of radiation. We don't go one time and say, I don't want to do that no more, and I'm, I'm healed already. I don't care what they say. I don't need more. You go to one, two. You've got a little card that says you got to go ten times. You go ten times. But when it comes to prayer, we get prayed once, and something, uh, nothing happens, and we say, it ain't going to work. No. Then you go again, and then you go again. Well, how often do I go until you start seeing a difference in your life? Or until you hear the word of God and the Lord speak to you and say, you don't have to come back anymore because you're healed. You hear what I'm saying? You, you continue to get treatment. The Bible says the word of God is like medicine. You continue to get prayer until you see the fruition of what God promised in his word. But we back off so many times. Oh, God doesn't love me. God's not. It'll happen for other people. It doesn't happen for me. No, the word of God says this. What are the parameters? i got to follow the parameters. If I follow the parameters, I can expect that what God promises, He's going to do. But sometimes in following the parameters, it highlights other issues that we have in our life. Not external issues, not the sickness and the disease, but sometimes the disease is resonant within our hearts. Unforgiveness, anger, uh, bitterness, jealousy, envy, pride. You root those things out, and all of a sudden it allows God's virtue and healing. It's like my wife used to be a wound healing nurse, and a lot of times they'd come in, they'd do all the work they got to do on the, on the wound, and it wouldn't get better. They'd do all the work they got to do on the wound, and it wouldn't get better. And say, so why is it not getting better? There must be something in there that's preventing the body from doing what it's designed to do. And sure enough, they start digging around in there and they find something that was uh, not supposed to be there. They find something that was left in there and they pull that out. And as soon as they pull that out, it just starts healing up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you've got to find out what God's will is for your life, follow the parameters, and then give opportunity for God's word to see and, 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 and uh, to find its fulfillment, the promise to, to find its fulfillment in you. And sometimes it takes perseverance. You got to persevere. Faith is persevering. You got to persevere until God's word finds fulfillment and fruition in your life. In that, we, we love Abraham. We like to talk about Abraham as the father of faith. But did you know that Abraham had to persevere? 25 years walking the land, believing God, until he saw the promises of God uh, made manifest in his life. Now, I'm not saying that anybody here, you have to believe for 25 years. But one of the things we can learn from that is sometimes it just doesn't happen overnight. But don't quit. Don't stop. God's word is true. Let God be true and... Every man a liar. Jesus himself showed us how to, how to follow this model that Moses did. Because in John 12 and 49, he says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command what I should say and what I should speak. In John 5, 19, Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father doing, whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. In other words, I say what I hear my Father saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I do what I see my Father doing. 
I follow the pattern of heaven. Hebrews 5, 7, and 8, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement, vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Luke 22, 41 through 42, and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. He knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done what is your will god and then once i find your will no matter how hard it is i am committed to doing your will and i will do your will so that your will might be accomplished in my life and in the people around me i will persevere until i see the fulfillment of your desire in my life i hear the word of god and i do the word of god very simple so Jesus shows us through his life as an example of how we should seek to live the Christian life, and he relates that to us through his spoken word. In Matthew 7, 24 and 25, he says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, whoever hears the word of God and does them. Oh, man, why'd that have to be in there? I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now notice it doesn't say to the one who hears my word, I will liken him to a wise man. It doesn't say to the one who does my word but doesn't hear what I'm saying. It says to the one who hears what I'm saying and does it, that man, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. And I already alluded to this at the beginning of the message, Revelations 3, 20 through 22. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Well, what's the voice of God saying? More than likely, is there anybody in there? If you're in there, open the door. If anybody hears him, have you ever had somebody come to the house and you either got a camera or you look out a window, they can't see you, and you look out there and you say, ooh, I don't want to talk to them. And so you don't open the door? And they're pounding on there and ringing the doorbell. Is there anybody in there? You don't open the door. Well, sometimes Jesus comes along and he's knocking on your door and he's knocking on the church's door and he says, listen, I don't know if you think you've got me in a room back there, but I'm not in your house. I'm outside and I want to come in. But I'm not going to force my way in. You've got to open the door. If you hear his voice and respond to his voice, then he will come in and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How do we overcome? By hearing his voice and doing what he says. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, because they did not love their lives. What does it mean? They didn't love their lives. They were committed to doing His will, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter how, how long, they were committed to doing His will, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bow down, and it'll go well for you. And they say, no, we're not bowing down. Well, you're going to go into a furnace. Well, I say, well, I guess I'm going in the furnace today because I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to do His will, whatever it costs. That's how you overcome. They overcame by the word of the, uh, blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, because they did not love their lives, even to the point of death. God's purpose, conclusion, is to still dwell in the midst of His people. The people of God are the house of God in which God's presence dwells. You, if you've been born again, 
are the tabernacle that God resides in. If you've been born again, you are the tent that the Spirit of the living God lives in. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God, not your lusts. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. We, like Moses and the Israelites, also have a part to play. We must hear the word of God, and we must obey the word of God. Uh, I'm going to go to another church where they don't put those kind of restrictions on me. You can. And the church might grow. But I said before, it's not the, 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 the size of the church that I'm interested in. Do we want a bigger church? Yeah. Do we want more people in our church? Yeah. But what I want more than anything is I want the God who fills the church to be in the church. And you can go somewhere else where they, don't, they compromise the word of God. I'm not saying some other church. I'm saying somewhere else because there are lots of good churches in our country. There are lots of good churches in the area. But I'm just saying if you want to go to a church where they, don't, uh, uh, where they do compromise the word of God, where they don't allow the spirit of God to move in their midst, doesn't have to be like this. You're welcome to do that. Nobody's saying you can't do that, but you can't expect that God's presence is going to manifest where God's people don't qualify with the qualifiers he tells them to do. Hear his word and do his word. Even if you want to get saved, you can't get saved through some other means. Oh, there's lots of ways to get to God. Yeah, I can come to God through Confucius. I can come to God through Buddhism. I can come to God through Taoism. I can come to God through some uh, Eastern meditation. There's lots of different ways to come to God. Well, that's the world's way, and that's what we say. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I choose to believe what God's Word says. And i got to follow His will. And i got to follow his parameters and do what he says. As we live in conformity to his word, like the Israelites, we can and should expect to see the presence of God and the glory of God manifest in us and through us as well. How do we know that God is in us? Through the testimonies of lives that have been changed, saved, healed, delivered, set free. That's when I went to Brown, and this is a long time ago for some of y'all, this is like you weren't even born yet. But in 1995, when I was years old, I went to a revival in Pensacola. And some people were saying, that ain't God. And other people were saying, it is God. And so I went down there to find out, is this God or is it not God? And they gave me all the reasons why it wasn't. They gave me all the reasons why it was. And I went down there and said, well, i got to figure this out on my own. And I went down there, and I went for a couple of days, saw everything, felt everything. But what changed my life was when they had the Friday night baptisms. And when the people of God got up and said, I used to be an alcoholic and a drug addict. And they came and told me about Jesus. And I'm not an alcoholic and a drug addict anymore. I'm living for God. Or a, a girl get up and say, I used to be a prostitute. And they told me about Jesus. And when they came and told me about Jesus, the people from this revival came and told me. They brought me here, and I got saved. I'm no longer a prostitute anymore. God has changed my life. And so how do we see the glory of God? Through lives that have been changed. And how do these people experience the glory of God? How do they experience changed lives when the people of God on whom the glory resides let the glory out? 
Isaiah 60, I feel the presence of the Lord right now. Isaiah 61 through 3. And, I, and he's talking to, to, Isaiah's talking to the people at that time, but I believe the Spirit of God is speaking to us. And he says, Arise! Shine! For the glory of the Lord has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you! For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. You hear what I'm saying? One last scripture. I didn't, I didn't mean to, to do this one, but it, 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 I just want to show you in Isaiah 63. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, right? Isaiah 61, 61 and 3. To preach good news to the tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then in the New Testament, he says, as God has sent me, so send I you. Who? You and I, the people of God. What, does, what's, what, are, what are you equipping us with? You're equipping, he equipped us with his word, and he equipped us with the spirit of the Lord that was on him. Right? To comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So you give away what he's given you. That's what Jesus did. Spirit of the Lord, he said, uh, 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 it, it says in Acts 10, 38, how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. The Word of God was anointed with the Spirit and power. And he went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. In the same way, you're anointed with the Spirit and power. To do what? To go around doing good, healing all who were afflicted and oppressed by the enemy. Right? And then what happens? You demonstrate the glory of God when the goodness of God is manifest through His people. We want God to manifest His glory and His goodness without us, but God says, I manifest my glory and my goodness on you and through you. Right? So then it says, and they, who? Those who mourn, those who were, had a spirit of heaviness, those who were bound, those who needed healing, those who were brokenhearted, those people, they, once they've been impacted by the glory of the Lord, they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. So if you want to change this world, let God change you and change the people around you. Let the glory of the Lord that has arisen upon you manifest itself through you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.